So uh, in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. I'm going to read it again because it's very important. If anyone would be first, we all want to be first. We want to be first in the class, first in whatever, first in, 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 in recon, being recognized as the coolest person, whatever. Whoever would be first, he must be last of all and not just last of all. You can be last of all and sit there and be last, but not only be last of all, but servant of all. That's from Jesus. We're going to continue our discussion on servanthood. And servanthood is a very important topic. It's something that you don't hear people talk about a lot because we always like to be served. I like to be served. I'm sure you like to be served. And, you know, every time when you go home, you wish people would serve you. But, you know, God has called us to a higher living. A higher living is a living that is to serve. Those who are being served, they are not living in a higher living. But God is calling you and I this morning in this church, especially in this assembly, to a higher living that is to be a servant. It is actually the highest form of spiritual living. It is not, you know, the highest form of spiritual living, as I said last week, is not just knowing a lot of Bible. You know, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but, you know, I mentioned the first service that when I was in university, uh, one of, my, uh, one of my, my minors is actually religious studies, so I took a lot of courses um, in the University of Toronto. I know a lot of them have PhDs, those professors and tutor, uh, tutors, they all have PhDs in religious studies in different parts of the Bible, you know, New Testament and Old Testament, different things. Then they all have different expertise, but none of them actually believe in Jesus. So having more knowledge means absolutely nothing. You can chase all the revelation and all the knowledge in the world, but it means nothing as far as spirituality is concerned. Now, I love the Word of God. I read it every day. You can ask my wife. I read it quite diligently every day. First thing in the morning, you'll catch me sitting with my coffee, just reading and studying the Word of God before I start my day. And, uh, you know, I love the Word of God, but I want to tell you this. The more, the higher of the spiritual living is not having more knowledge, but really to be a greater servant to serve more people. I love praying too. I believe that, you know, because of the nature of my job, I'm a pastor, right? I, you know, I'm called to, 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 to pray, to seek the face of God, to study the Word of God. So I get a lot of chance to pray in the Spirit. And I know I'm praying in the Spirit probably more than most of you and every single day. But, you know, that in of itself is not higher spiritual living. I have known people that say that they pray in tongues all day long, but oh my goodness, when you, when you talk to them, you know that they are not mature. The higher form of living is actually being a servant. The more you serve, the more spiritual you are. Last week we said that even the God of the universe is a serving God. We know that because Jesus is the perfect reflection and the perfect representative of God himself. Jesus himself said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And yet Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus became the ultimate servant when he laid his life down for all of us. You know, Paul the Apostle is considered to be the most influential apostles because he wrote most of the epistles, all the theological understanding, doctrinal beliefs of the church today that we know of is based on what Paul had written. Without the epistles, we probably believe quite differently than how we believe today. And yet Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 says, For though I'm free from all, I have made myself, what? A servant to all. You and I don't need to be, don't need to serve. You, we, we have the freedom in this country, you know. We don't have to serve anyone. But friends, may I encourage you to have the mindset of this great apostle. He said, though I am free from all, free from any obligation because I know God loves me. I'm living under grace. There's nothing I can do to earn extra ounce of grace and love from God. He had poured out his grace and love and exhausted them on me, and he loves me. So I don't need to serve, and yet I choose to be a servant of all that I might win more of them. Servanthood. It's also the most powerful way to see breakthroughs in your life. Are you struggling in certain areas in your life? If you're struggling in a certain areas or in a certain place in your life, I would propose to you this morning to consider to be the servant in that place. Are you struggling at work? Are you having problem, you know, dealing with people, you know, all the politics? You, it's just, it's just, it's just you're just struggling and, and you're not, you don't seem to be able to, to make headways. May I encourage you to consider them to be a servant at your workplace. You could be the CEO of your, of your workplace, but if you're struggling in your business, learn to serve. Are you struggling in your business? Well, perhaps you want to learn how to serve your customers rather than then selling them merchandise. Are you struggling at home? Are you having problem with your relationship? Perhaps you might want to consider to be a servant in your home. It will change things. It's one of the most powerful ways to see amazing breakthroughs in your lives, both spiritual life and your physical lives. It is also the most influential way to live. Therefore, the most influential way to lead. It is a very, very incredible leadership concept that now are being adopted by major corporations. You know, in the old days, major corporations or, or the, the idea of leadership is that you have this top-down leadership is that you would control with fear. You know, you control your, your employees with fear and, and you, 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 you're, trying to, you're, trying to, you're trying to control them and get them to serve you and do things for you. But you know, successful CEOs understand these days is that for in order for the entire company, every single employee to become creative in what they do and put in their best is that they ought to be a servant to the employees, to lift them up, to enable them to become all lifted up so that they can thrive in their creativity, thrive in their work. I know that in this church, many of the small group leaders are incredible servants. I've been to many of the places, uh, many of the small groups in this church, and that most of the small groups that, you know, have leaders that serve their people with food especially. They see the fastest growth. I tell you, there is some 
power in food, man. I'm just, I don't know about you, but you know, every time when you have food, there is some relationship that you can create with food that you can't create otherwise. Honestly, that's why when you go dating, you have to go to a restaurant. Hello. How many of you have been to dating that you don't do anything? You know, you can go dating and go to a theater. It doesn't do anything. But when you go and sit down in front of food, oh, something opens up. So I want to encourage you small group leaders, you know, I know most of you do that, is that you serve your people with food. And I tell you, you haven't done that yet, try it. I tell you, it will shift the atmosphere altogether. And that, but it's something about food. But it's something about serving people with food. Oh, you're seeing an amazing breakthrough in your small groups. If you're struggling with people coming to your small group, food, baby. Just food. <laughs> it is actually the most powerful way to lead other people to Christ. There is a pastor that came from Scandinavia. He's actually in the city of Toronto. He's serving the city of Toronto. He came here to start a church, and, and we had him. Uh, he was uh, part of our ministerial meeting here uh, some months ago, and uh, you know, over 100 ministers here, and we were treating them, and just we, we, we bought them, you know, we treat them lunch and whatever. And uh, that one of them was actually sharing about how he became very successful in planting his church is that he opened up his home and started to invite people for dinner, strangers. And he, you know, people say, well, nobody will come because you know, they don't know you. You'd be surprised when there's food, stranger will show up. But, how, you know, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 14, Paul says that for you, we were called to freedom. Brother, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for flesh. But what? Through love to serve one another. We spoke about expressing agape love with one another. Do you realize that, do you know how do you express agape love? We talked about it last week. It's to serve one another. You know, I want to tell you this, friends. God is not here to condemn us or judge us, but he's here to call us for a higher living. And I want to encourage you to, to consider being a servant everywhere. You know, in the old days, you know, us, you know I have this old-fashioned thinking. You see, I, I used to think that, you know, us men, we just, we just, you know, we just make the living, and then we come home and the wives serve us. And they cook for us, they wash our dishes, you know, do all the toilet, take care of the kids, you know, and, and it's an amazing idea. I, I always say to my wife, I say, I think I'm born in the wrong century. I wish I was born in the 18th century. Then I have a wife that served me and call me Lord, you know. <laughs> yeah. The other day, you know, we were talking, we were having a conversation about, you know, how in the old days, those wives used to call their husband Lord, you know, and the governor, Lord, whatever, right? I say, you know, honey, you should call me Lord. It didn't, do, it didn't go well. <laughs> you should address me Lord Paul. <laughs> Shut. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> My friends, God is calling you and I to be a higher servant. To, have be a high, to, be, to go to a higher living. And you know, I, I love to be served. You know, sometimes when I go home from after preaching or sometimes go on a preaching trip or, you know, serving the Lord in a day and, and, you know, go visit people, whatever. And when I get home, you know, and, and, and you know, sometimes I have to, you know, I, I'm the one responsible for cleaning all the dishes, even if I don't eat. 
right? I'm responsible for cleaning dishes. I'm responsible for cleaning all the toilets at home, you know. Yeah. But it, it doesn't jive with my old thinking is that, you know, I remember my dad's generation or even previous that, you know, that, no such thing. Men, men don't touch those things. But Jesus has shifted our thinking because I ought to be the first in my home. That means I ought to be the last and be servant to all my children and my wife. You know, being a, a father, you know, it is true that you have to train your kids that, you know, they, they need to put dishes away and, it, and my kids are well trained, you know. But sometimes I get frustrated of some of the things that I told them to do and they wouldn't do it, but I ended up having to do it quietly myself, like putting their shoes away, you know. And at times I get mad. Sometimes I get mad. Oh, I can't believe this. 20 years later, I still have to do this, you know. But the Holy Spirit would keep reminding me, if you ought to be the greatest in your home, you ought to be the servant. But I do tell my kids that doesn't mean that you don't put your dishes away and clean up yourself. That's, that's a different story, right? But, but, you know, at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to learn how to have a higher living, especially when we come together as a body of Christ. It's very counterintuitive. To be the greatest, we ought to be the servant of all. To be the most influential, to, be the, to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit, we actually have to be a servant. And yet it is true. And we talked about it last week, and we started talking about the different benefits of being a servant. We spoke about open doors. We talked about, you know, we spoke about uh, Joseph, David, and we spoke about the, the political uh, leaders of our time. Many of them have to be servants. And if you missed it, I encourage you really to go and check out Check out the, uh, the sermon from last week and just ha have a review. But I want to continue on, uh, on, the, on the next point, on the next benefits is that when you serve God, you will see anointing start to flow in your life. You remember the, in, the prophets called Elisha. Elisha was a powerful, the most powerful prophet in the history of Israel. Not Elijah, but Elisha, because Elisha had twice the power and anointing as Elijah. But friends, do you realize that Elisha had to serve Elijah all his life before he was given the double anointing? In fact, Elisha came from a well-off family and came from a came from family of great wealth and he had to abandon them in fact burn his wealth so that he could serve Elijah and because of his faithfulness not just once twice but all his life faithfully serve another man of God at the end of that Elijah's life Elijah asked him what he wanted and it was because of his faithfulness that option was given to him. And he said, I want to double the, double the anointing of what you have. That's a pretty bold asking. And nevertheless, God granted him what he desired. There are people that want to have anointing of pastors and ministers to move in signs and wonders and anointing, but never wanted to serve. And they don't understand why there's no anointing flowing through them. Friends, I want to encourage you. Many of us want to move in great anointing. The next benefit is that it's, it's a miraculous way, watch this, to rest. A miraculous way to rest 
from strife. Many people don't understand that. Now, if you read my book, you understand it. I explain it and it proved to you in the Bible that why serving is a form of supernatural rest. When you serve, you actually can enter into that supernatural rest. You don't have to strive anymore. It doesn't mean you don't work, but that you feel very rested and very relaxed when you are serving and be a servant to others. Are you finding yourself striving in life? Are you finding yourself striving? Stressing, stressing about this, stressing about that. Stress. You serve. When you serve, friends, God is going to supernaturally rejuvenate your spirit and instill in you his rest. Choose to be servant and you will enjoy the benefits of rest. You know, uh, we, I heard a testimony this week of a sister, you know. She would go and, 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 and pick up foods. You know, she had a small group, so she usually worked until like in the afternoon, and then she would rush off to, to buy groceries, and then, and then would go home and, and cook for the group that's coming. And sometimes she had like 15 people coming to the group, you know, and then she would do it every week. And then her colleague would ask her, why are you doing that? Aren't you tired? And her testimony said, no, I'm actually not tired at all. I'm really excited about doing it. So why what just happened there is when you serve, God is going to instill in you rest. He's going to rejuvenate your spirit, and he's going to strengthen you. Friends, may I encourage you to choose a lifestyle of servanthood, and you experience incredible rest in the presence of God. Now, for the rest of the time, I want to talk about the heart of of a servant, the attitude of a servant. If you want to answer the call to be a servant, this is what you must have in your heart. Because it's, you, you, you cannot be true servant without this attitude. For example, number one is that you and I need to have humility and brokenness when we serve. You cannot serve other people with pride. How many of you have ever been served by proud waiter and waitresses? I have. It's not a pleasant experience. It's like they wish like you're not here. You know, especially when you, uh, uh, some, 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 sometimes, you know, you, you go to a restaurant, you know, you want the last one who leave, they really give you the dirty look, right? It's like you're just, you know. But, you know, we all do not like to be served by people with great pride. It doesn't do anything for us, for the people who serve us with great pride. As a true servant of God, it is quite natural that we ought to be broken with great humility. The second one is very interesting. The second point, the second attitude we ought to have is taken from Luke chapter 17, verse 7 to 10. Here, Jesus is teaching about the attitude of a servant. He said, well, any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep, say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at the table. You did a great job. Come in. Come and relax. Will he not rather say, that, that would be, would, the, would the master rather say to the servant, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, he was talking about his Christians, his disciples. So you also, when you have done all that you commanded, say, we are unworthy servants and we have only done what was our duty. In our culture, this is like, ugh, what do you mean? 
So mean, this boss is so cruel. God is such a cruel boss. But what Jesus is trying to convey here is the attitude of our heart. What is it? Is it a true servant, especially the servant of God? Watch this. Does not have the heart of entitlement. We're living in a culture with a lot of angry people, especially angry young people. A lot of young people are very angry. Do you know where they came from? It's many years of narrative of entitlement. And because they don't get what is deservedly theirs, they think they become angry. We have many angry Christians running around from churches to churches, not satisfied with one church to another because those churches do not live up to their expectations. There is this attitude of entitlement even in churches. Is that we treat the kingdom of God like a hotel. If we don't like it, we trash it on Yelp. We don't like it, we criticize it. But that's an entitlement spirit. When you are a servant and I'm a servant, we need to be careful that we do not carry the spirit of entitlement. I'm entitled to, to be paid, to be, to, I'm entitled. That, that spirit of entitlement, we have to watch ourselves that we do not have it in our life as a whole. The second thing, really also part of the scripture, is that a true servant does not seek recognition nor anticipate any do you realize that as a servant of god our rewards is from heaven our rewards is not from men we don't look for recognition from men we look for recognition from the almighty god you know why? Because we are serving God. Whatever we do on earth, whether you're serving, you're cleaning the floor, cleaning the table, cleaning, taking care of your home, we do whatever in the house of God, you're not doing it for institution. Oh my golly, I hope you're not doing it for men. I hope you're doing it because you're serving God. And therefore, you are just looking forward for, for, for God to speak to you, to reward you, and you do not expect, nor should you anticipate any recognition from earth. If you been serving and and you know and you haven't heard any compliment from anybody oh friends you're in the right place because God is about to reward you because if people give you recognition what else then can God give you because you already have your reward that's why Jesus said when you do righteousness on one hand you want to make sure the other hand doesn't see it why because if you have recognition already where where will how will how will God be able to reward you So when you're not being recognized, rejoice because you're walking in the ways of God and don't seek for it. Don't get mad at people that don't say thank you to you for the hard work that you do, friends. I tell you this, there are many times, you know, we find ourselves in the places where we serve and then people come into the church, you know, they think that they deserve the service from you and we get really mad, you know, and you could be a very successful professional and thinking to yourself, I don't need this. No, you don't. You don't need that at all. But if you choose to walk in the higher ways of the Lord, if you choose to be the the, the one to be more like Christ, if you choose to want to flow in his power like he is flowing in his power, then choose 
to serve without anticipating any recognition from people. The four things is, the four attitudes is that the servant of God does not seek his own or her own interests, but the interests of those he or she serves. See, when we are serving other people, see, if you're a waiter or waitress, when you serve people, you're looking for big, fat tips. Right? I've known people that work in restaurants, you know, most of the income is coming from tips. You know, they pay you some meager salary, but if you work hard, you know, especially work in a nice restaurant, you get big, fat tips. And so they serve you diligently. They come by you and say, how's everything? You know, sometimes they even bother me. You know, it's like, everything's fine, you know. Just leave me alone. They'll come by every five minutes. How's everything, you know? They become very attentive to us because they're expecting something from us. And they're serving not for our interest necessarily. They're serving for their own interest. Friends, when you come into the house of God or when you're at home or in a place where you're struggling with and that you choose to serve, may I encourage you, don't serve for your interests, but serve for the attitude that you are doing it for the interests of others. You're doing it because you love God. You're doing it because you're worshiping God. And let your service not be selfish, but selfless. Amen? The fifth one is this. A true servant, even if you are a leader, many of you are leaders, small group leaders, ministry group leaders, I need you to listen to this, is that we do not lord over others like people in the world. In fact, not only are we not to lord over others, we are to help others. Those who cannot help themselves. Now, this is a very interesting idea. Have you ever wondered, I don't know if you've ever been to a place where you get a hand from somebody to help you. And sometimes you feel like they're actually feeling sorry for you. So they're trying to help you. I want to encourage you that when you serve other people, don't serve with that, I call it a condescending attitude, is that I'm, I'm very well here, and so I feel sorry for you. Let me give you a hand to lift you up. You can do that, or consider this. Why don't you become like Jesus when you serve? You go down to the place where those people who need your help are, and in fact go below them. And lift them up. This is a concept most people don't understand, including in Christian church. You know, in Christian church, um, we are told that the prophet and the apostles are the foundation of the church. They're the one that establishes the foundation of the church. So in the old days, a lot of people like to be an apostle because they think it's a very powerful position. And so that they could lord over all these other ministers. But that's not the way to be. Because the apostles of the church ought to be the one at the most bottom layer of the church to lift up everyone. You and I are called to lift people up. We're not even called to pull people up. We're called to lift people up by coming to the place where they're at or even below where they're at and push them up. So that they could be lifted up from our strength. Friends, I want to encourage you, if you choose 
to walk in the ways of a servant. Choose to go at the place where you want, the place, the, the people you want to help, go to that place and even to the place that's lower than those you want to help so that you can lift them up, push them up. Let me conclude with this thought here. Have you ever wondered in the Bible, the worship team, you can come out. Have you ever wondered in the Bible that every time when Jesus is addressing rich people, it's almost like he's really not very happy with them. Let me give you an example here. Luke chapter 6, verse 24. But woe to you which are rich. Why is it a woe to the rich people? Why? Because you already receive your comfort. Do you realize that most of us living in North America, we are rich in comparison to the rest of the world? But friends, I want to encourage you. Do not think that God hates rich people. Because I was having a conversation with Jesus. Jesus, you know, I was reading this Lazarus story. You remember Lazarus and the, and, and the, and the beggar? And uh, Lazarus, you know, died, and the beggar died, and then Lazarus went to hell. And, no, no, Lazarus went to heaven, and, 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 and the, uh, the rich person, um, I just all call him, the rich person uh, went, went to hell. And, but you read the story carefully, it's quite amazing, because the Bible never said that, that the rich person did anything wrong. In fact, he let this leper this person with leprosy to sit in front of his house, his beautiful home, to beg. How many of us are willing to let a beggar with leprosy full of disease sit in front of our house, whatever house that we have, so that they can beg? But the fact that this individual allowed it to speaks volume. And I say, God, that's not fair. You know, have you ever had this kind of conversation with God? Because I didn't understand. I said, God. This man didn't do anything wrong. He didn't murder anyone, whatever. We just assume he did. I said, God, that's not fair. But you the Holy Spirit said this to me. It's not because they're rich. I'm not trying to discourage wealth. I'm trying to teach everyone, including all of us who are rich, that even though we may be rich, we should be servants of all. That's the lifestyle that God has called you and I to go into. It's a lifestyle of servanthood. To serve. Doesn't matter whether you're wealthy. Doesn't matter you're not wealthy. Choose to serve everywhere you go. Then God is going to lift you up. 